I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ackney. Frank Garner. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. In Kalispell, Montana. From Arlie, Montana. And you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. It was a process, and it's really hard because you don't know when you're in it how you're going to get through it because you don't. There's so much unknown, and it's just a really. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of fear and um, uncertainty, and and what I've said to a, a friend is, you know, your to do list is going to change depending on things that you hear back, um, and you don't know it right now, but you have what, everything you need to get through this. Like you just haven't practiced it yet. You just haven't done it, but you, I know that you have all of the things that you need to, to make it through this part of your life. Welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. This morning we're in Missoula with Ann Hughes. Anne is the Chief Operating Officer for Missoula County. She is a 2012 graduate of the Leadership Montana Flagship Program, a current member of the Master's Class, and has been a member of the Leadership Montana Board of Governors since 2019. And we're recording for the first time. This is the first podcast that we're recording in my home. Welcome to my home, oh Anne Hughes. Oh my gosh, I love being in your home. And your dog is so sweet. <laughs> As I was sort of preparing for this interview, and I'm, I found an Instagram post that made me laugh out loud. I was I was actually like, like I almost woke up my spouse. I was laughing hard enough, which is <laughs> you took these pictures of this, what looked like an incredibly complex Star Trek board game. And your quote was, Good friends scour the internet to find classic sci-fi games to play to celebrate your birthday. Great friends read the instructions beforehand so you don't have to spend the whole damn night figuring out what the hell you're doing. <laughs> it's true. It's a true statement. Yeah. So tell me about tell me about just Star Trek and friends and I'm just curious what your reaction oh. to that. Well, I um I will say that I I've loved science fiction my whole life. My One of my earliest memories is watching Star Trek with my dad. I designed a set in college um, for a, it was a Shakespeare play, but I can't remember which one, based on a, a Borg, <clears throat> excuse me, a Borg spaceship. So there's a lot of tinfoil involved in that <laughs> model that I built. Um, so I have always really loved it, and I happen to be married to a man who also really loves it, which makes me supremely happy. In fact, I noticed this morning that we were both wearing nerd t-shirts accidentally. I'm wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, and he's wearing a Lord of the Rings t-shirt. So that's fantasy, not sci-fi, if you want to get technical yeah, about it. we should, yeah. But I have, um, we have this great group of friends called the Nerds, and we get together on a regular basis, and whoever, there's about 10 of us. And uh, whoever hosts picks what we watch and cooks a meal for everybody. 
and we celebrate each other's birthdays and we give each other presents. I have an, a Starship Enterprise quilt that is amazing. And I, um, I just really like watching shit blow up in space. <laughs> and I like doing it with really good friends. <laughs> what is it about sci-fi for you then? Like, what is it about Star Trek specifically, I'm wondering? Well, for me, like a show like Starship Enterprise or um, Next Generation or Discovery, to me, it's the thing that is most compelling is Gene Roddenberry all along was like, we are going to create a, a world where no one is poor and no one is starving. We're going to get just past that and then see, like, if people aren't struggling, what, you know, what are we capable of? And it's not to say that there isn't conflict, obviously, between mm-hmm. species, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I like that as a, as a premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's the creativity of it and... I, I, I appreciate the aesthetic, like the show, The Expanse is a great, great nerd. That's some, that's some nerd core right there. That's, that's kind of, that's not for every nerd. That's like space opera level sci-fi, but the, like the production values of that show are just amazing. And I mean, it's just lovely to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on, but yeah. I just like it's can't not, stop nerding. <laughs> it's not for everyone. I totally get that. Anyone who wants to follow up with Anne on that can reach out to her. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> okay. You are a gardener. You love adventure and art and beauty and self-growth and science fiction, as we discussed. You're so deeply connected to your family and your friends. It seems like you really center around curiosity. You're obviously a communications professional. I, and I bring all that up because I'm curious if you can tell us a, your story of growing up. And how sort of some of those passions started to emerge maybe in your childhood or you were pointed to them? Hmm. That's a great question. So I, um, I was born in California. Don't tell anyone. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm kidding. Um, but we moved to Montana. We moved to Kalispell when I was six. And we grew up, I grew up on um, 17 acres of, of land west of town. And my dad... Um, this California guy, right? Like chopped down all these trees and then milled them and built a barn out of the lumber. And we had horses and we had pigs and chickens and rabbits and um, cats and dogs and fish. And and it just, I really love, it, 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 I really love animals as a result of, of that. Um, we're a pretty close family, um, but we're really small. So I just, I have one sister and my mom, my mom's an only child. And my dad had, my dad passed away five years ago, but my dad had two sisters and and they have kiddos. Um, and we see each other once in a while, but like, we was just kind of just the four of us in Montana, you know, like it was just, we we're just kind of these new people in this new place doing all this new stuff that we'd never done before. And, and, you know, like, I'm just the one that goes to run to get the Diet Cokes right? When, when there's a project going like, oh, run to the house, get me a Diet Coke. That was what my dad always asked me to do. And, um, and I, I think, I think just seeing how brave they were and making that move at that point in their lives is, um, something that I've reflected on a little bit. So, um, taking big leaps is, it's really uncomfortable for me. You said in the list of things about me that I like adventure, and that's not true, actually. So, 
just, I'm just going to correct you on that one. I have a very underdeveloped sense of adventure, so I need to surround myself with people who do have senses of adventure. Like, I'm not the, like, oh, my gosh, let's go, like, plan out this, like, 16-mile hike in Glacier. Like, my friend, I, I outsource that to my friends, and then I and then I go along. I'm just, it's just not the way I'm wired. I prefer to do jigsaw puzzles, if we're going to be perfectly honest. My friend Sarah Smith, who I'm in the master's class with, is, is one of those people for me. She just has this incredibly adventurous spirit, and I I just try to take that in and, and kind of ride it, and whenever I can, whenever I get to be around her. And it's just not, it's, it's just not how I'm wired. So I, I, I appreciate it in others. Um, but I kind of associate like taking a, a next big job or, you know, doing things that are scary to be those adventures for me. Maybe exploration is a better word than adventure because mm. you are an explorer. Definitely. Right. Yeah. I would say that's true. Yeah. So did that start in the flat? So from age six till you graduated high school in the Flathead, right? Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about growing up there? Yeah, I went to a really small elementary school. Um, I graduated from eighth grade. There were 13 people in my class at good old West Valley School. Um, and it it was a great school. And I, it's a lot bigger now. <laughs> That's where a lot of the growth is happening in the, in the Flathead. So I'm sure I wouldn't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then I went to I went to Kalispell Junior High School at the time. The junior high was eighth and ninth grade. And then I went to Flathead High School. And I um, I had a I have all these great friends from high school who I don't really stay in touch with. But there was a turning point for me um, in my senior year where I started doing theater, mm. and that was really a shift. So I oh, I I grew up doing um, I was in ballet and dance and. I took singing lessons and I was always in choir and, you know, my husband's a band nerd, but I'm a choir nerd. Um, so there was this moment in my senior year, like I got, I always grew up doing theater. Like my folks did, um, Flathead Valley Community College Theater and then Whitefish Theater Company. So I would, I was in shows growing up. Um, but I didn't do anything at my high school. I didn't audition for anything and I don't really, I don't even know why, um, I think I, I was just so self-conscious and awkward and like I just high school was hard for most people mm-hmm. and I would include myself in that. And um, I ended up auditioning for uh, Taming of the Shrew and I got cast as Bianca and um, it just surprised the crap out of a lot of people who knew me but didn't know that I did theater. And, um, and my high school theater teacher... Mr. Hashley, um, uh, applied for a hundred, like $175 scholarship for me at the University of Idaho for the book, like it was called the bookstore scholarship or something. And that was all it took. Like, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to, if I wanted to go to college, I just, I wasn't really, I didn't have like this path that I was set mm-hmm. in front of me and I didn't really know what to do. And all it took was him applying for this tiny little scholarship and me getting it because, you know, let's be honest, the stakes were pretty low, but, um, the competition was low, but I, that, that was what it took. And so I ended up going to university of Idaho and studying theater and I got a BFA because of like one guy being sweet and kind and caring and supportive and lovely. And, um, I kind of grew up falling asleep in theater seats at community college or community theaters and, you know, that moved into me getting an undergrad degree. 
So everybody has parts of their jobs that are more desirable than others. But I'm wondering if like, you know, maybe maybe budgeting is on your less enjoyable parts of your job. So I'm wondering <laughs> while you're budgeting, are you thinking like, really should have pursued that career in theater? <laughs> um, I actually like the budgeting process. <laughs> Because a budget is a values document, right? Like a budget is a statement of your of your organization's values. Like where are you investing your your money? And so that's that's what gets me. The math part maybe not so much because at the University of Idaho in my undergrad career, the joke that I always make is the math, the math class I took in college was called the Spirit of Math because that was the most the class I would most likely pass because it's just not my dad who is a CPA and Matt has an MBA was I just he didn't pass that on to me so it's not my it's not my strong suit it's not my language but yeah can we talk more about this about this idea that a budget is a value document well I mean we're about to embark on our budget process for the year and um it's a it's an evolving process so it it changes and really honestly it looks different every time you know when there are new elected officials because elected officials really set the stage and the tone for how you engage in in process and um we happen to have some pretty pretty expansive thinking compassionate heart centered you know uh really courageous leadership at the county right now and so we do have to talk about it in that context of because you know you can't fund all the things all the time um you got to figure out a way to decide what gets money and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting conversation, and it it takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. I want to invite you. If there's anything you want to say, you've been with the county for 17 years now, right? Six. Yeah. Nearly 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you started as sort of a project. No. I started as an intern for the 2005 legislative session. I was finishing up my master's in public administration. Oh my goodness! At the University of Montana, and then. Um, I applied for the, the the leadership team at the county at the time created a position to support the um, the senior leadership of the organization and it was an administrative aid job and I had to take a typing test to get it and I I I just really liked working with these people and I I appreciated um, how welcome they made me feel and how um, how smart they all were and. Um, and really none of them is there at the county for the most part anymore. They've all retired or, or moved on. Um, but that, that, um, my, t- my first blush was legislative session and it was a really interesting time. People were really working together. I mean, there was conflict, but it was a, it was a much different legislative environment. I mm. think. Yeah. So is there anything you want to share about things you've observed in your nearly 17 years there and you're now the sort of second from the top of the administrative structure, right? Beneath the county commissioners themselves. Is that right? Yeah, there are a number of us who report to the chief administrative officer. And mm. our, our CAO, Chris, is a is a Leadership Montana alum and just an incredible leader. And he's brilliant. And um, I call him a cyborg because he's so smart. And I, I say that to his face. Um, so he's he really leads with, with courage and... and um, curiosity and I appreciate that so in the 17 years that I've been there I've I think that we just keep getting better and better and better at um, putting people in positions who who are who want to collaborate and who want to support each other so Mm -hmm. people who are interested in um, 
thinking expansively and, you know, doing things that are, that are big and scary, but doing it in a way that, um, takes care of everyone along the way. And I, I think we're just, um, I think we have a lot of, it's a really interesting time at the County right now. I just think we have, um, all these people in leadership positions who really, um, care about the community and care about each other. Not to say that people in the past didn't, it's just that as I've evolved and you know, like when you're aware of something and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. I mean, it might be a little bit of that too, but there are a lot of people who are just, um, who are really compassionate. And I think we have a lot of really open-hearted people, which Mm -hmm. is, that's my jam. You talk a lot about your logical family and, and this is your group of friends who matter most to you. What what does it mean to you to be a great friend? Mm-hmm. And what does great friendship look like for you in your life? Great friendship uh, for me is leading with empathy. I have I have a I have a friend who has had a couple of experiences in the last couple years that are experiences that I've also had, but I had them first. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to develop empathy and, and I mean, you know, an opportunity to develop empathy just means that like things sucked for you for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, but for me being a a good friend to a great friend, good, great, whatever, a friend to her meant, um, showing up and saying things out loud and just sitting with, um, uncertainty and, feelings that, you know, I'm getting, if anyone could, you know, figure out how to like code our emotions so that we can turn them off and on like a faucet, that would be awesome. But until that time comes, like, you know, we need to, we need to be able to be there with each other and, and feel comfortable with discomfort of feeling our feelings. So, um, to me, it's, it's that, I mean, I have a friend who, who's, um, whose dog just died and it was really sad because he was just this amazing creature and they went on all these adventures together and they were just such close they were just so close and you know showing up means sometimes you bring really really fancy macaroni and cheese to their house and just sit with them and you know like you show up and um you do things that like you don't know they don't know they need it but you suspect they might, so you do it. Let's let's talk about if if you're comfortable, and you you had mentioned to me this period of time from 2017 to 2019, and you called it sub awesome. <laughs> it's a really hard time for you. Are you willing to yeah. share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. My my dad passed away in 2017 on the fourth of July. Not my favorite holiday mm. as a result. Also because I have a dog that's terrified of fireworks. Yeah. Um, and that, w- that was a really tough thing for me. That was really hard. And I, um, I felt a lot of feelings for a good long time, for like two years. And, but at the same, like in that, in that span of time, I also lost my dog Winnie to cancer. I lost uh, my, two of my cats who I'd had for... A really, really long time. It's like an animal farm at my house, even though I live in town. Um, and I lost a, a good friend of mine. And then I got breast cancer. So it was kind of just like a bam, bam. You know, it just felt like a little, you know, like a bit of a, like a one-two punch. 
a few times. So sub awesome is the way to describe that that time, yeah. you know. And then in in all of those in those years, I also um, got a couple promotions. So the vulnerability of being in a new job and being, you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a pleaser. I'm a, a cheat. Like I want to do well. Obviously, most people do. So so that vulnerability on top of the other you know, the grief and the, you know, the, the kind of the fear. That was a really intense, there were a lot of feelings, just so many feelings all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I also just want to kind of step back and acknowledge too, that like losing my dad was the, like, I had other things in my life that were difficult, but that was by far like the hardest thing I'd been through. And I hate to say it, but there's privilege in that, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of worries growing up. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I was 42 before something broke my heart like that. Mm. You know, I mean, that's, that's not bad. Um, but it, it just really, I had really great people around me at that, you know, in my life. I had a great boss, the, my, my boss's predecessor. She just, I mean, she just exudes emotional intelligence all over the place and was just incredible and um, so supportive. And I had, uh, I mean, I have a great therapist. She's amazing. She is just like a rock star in my world. We are, she and I are very similar. We refer to ourselves as warriors of the heart. Um, So she just was, she just like held me through that. My husband is phenomenal and he had lost his mom um about uh, about eight years ago um nine years ago so he had he was able to empathize with me and then my friends were just incredible like none of them had really gone through that before and a couple of them have since um so that's what I mean when I know a little bit better how to show up for them um it's a shitty club but at least we're in it together, Yeah, you know? So I think it just really helped me like, because I'm a, I'm a feeler, I'm a, you know, my heart on my sleeve kind of person. It was just like a, it was like an all you can eat buffet of, of feelings for a couple years there. And it really helped me kind of, that was unsustainable. I could not function in that with feeling that much all the time. So it just really helped me, you know, figure out how to, how to, handle my emotions and how to like what to what to be all in on and what not to be all in on and you know and kind of protect my heart a little bit and um and that's not to say that like I you know protect it so much now that I'm closed off but I just feel a little bit more um comfortable um saying saying no to things like a, a friend of mine has a who lost her mom did some writing on it and was, was, um, speaking in front of other people about her experience of losing her mom. And she really wanted me to, to come. And, you know, like if you ask me to do something, I'm probably going to do it. But in this case, I said, no, I, I, I am so, I am finding such relief and not feeling grief that I love you and I support you. And I am not going to be there because I don't, I don't want to open that up right now. Yeah. And that's okay. She knows I love her. She's a great friend, so she's not gonna, she's not gonna internalize that. Yeah. As a 
just a quick note, like if we can update people on your listeners on your health, you just shared oh. that you had been diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm just curious if you want to share some good news. Oh now. yeah, I'm great. I'm I'm great. I had man. If you're going to get a diagnosis, you want the one I had. It was it was um, it was a process, and it's really hard because you don't know when you're in it mm-hmm. how you're going to get through it because you don't. There's so much unknown, and it's just a really there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fear and um, uncertainty and and what I've said to a, a friend is you know your to do list is going to change depending on things that you hear back. Um, and you don't know it right now, but you have what, everything you need to get through this. Like you just haven't practiced it yet. You just haven't done it, but you, I know that you have all of the things that you need to, to make it through this part of your life. What were those things for you? Um, knowing how to, uh, get an appointment with my therapist, um, accepting help when it was offered. Mm-hmm. I had these amazing, I had, I have friends who, um, I am, I just adore who showed up when I went through radiation, they would just come and I would, I would go for a walk every morning after radiation at Fort Missoula. And on the, on the best days we would see a bunny and a fox and birds. And, um, my friend and her two daughters would come and walk with me. And, um, they <laughs> Of all the things, this is the part that will make me cry. They were just amazing. They were so sweet. And um, I didn't ask for that. I didn't know I needed it. But boy, howdy. And then when I got done, they showed up with like balloons. And, you know, like it was really sweet. It was just, it made such a an impact. Like they, man, you talk about showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she didn't need, she hasn't been through that. She didn't need empathy like she, I mean, she could have empathy, but she hadn't been through that in her life, but she, she knew enough to, yeah. Yeah. She's pretty great. I'm pretty lucky. And her kids are just amazing. We just can't do this stuff alone. Can we? No, yeah. no. And I think, you know, we all think we can because we're all so like, we're all such high achievers, right? If you're in leadership Montana, <laughs> chances are you're getting a lot of stuff done every day. <laughs> and so why would I need help with that? You know, like, but it's. It's just so, just accept it. Just take it because it, it, um, it's just such a, a gift for your heart. It's interesting. Like, I always think about, is there enough trust in this relationship for this person to know that when I offer them help, it's in the spirit of knowing that if the roles were reversed, they would do the same for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Not more complicated in a way, like not more complicated. Than exactly. That, right. Yeah. Like we're in this together. We're, a, we're a group. We're a pod. Yeah. We're a pod. A logical family, We're as you would say. We're a logical family. It's true. It's true. And can we stop and just ask you, what is logical family to you? And, and I'm wondering what it means to you as well. Um, it is, um, I actually have cards that say there's biological family and there's logical family. And um, you have always made so much sense to me. And that's the card that I give to people in my logical family sometimes. <laughs> Um, Armistead Maupin came up with that term Mm. and, um, I, it just really resonates with me. And, you know, I mean, it, it, some people have the gift of, of big families and, you know, they have that, 
um, and can still extend out to a logical family. And other people don't have the gift of, of families. And if they do, they may not be able to count on them because of conflict or because of disagreement in their values or, you know, so that's, so logical family just is um, such an important, important idea. And, um, and it, it's great to be intentional about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um like the people that I gather for holidays with for holidays, they're absolutely my logical family. I want to circle back really quickly to a comment you made that you and your therapist call yourselves warriors of the heart. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, I think it... I think it means people who are brave enough to say what their feelings are. I mean, really, it's just saying shit out loud, right? Like this thing is bugging me. And so, you know, you can use, there's some really great language that Brene Brown has. Like this thing is really bugging me. So the story I'm telling myself is this, or I just had a question about how we got to from A to B and it was making me feel this way. And I don't think that was your intention. So can we, you know, I mean, that to me is being a warrior of the heart. Like that to me is saying how you feel about something and normalizing saying your feelings to another human can can be an act of, of deep courage for some people and um and you know just kind of mediocre courage for for people who do it all the time right so i, I think it's just a matter of practicing it i want to talk to you about your your family what was your what was your dad's name bill you seem to have such a special relationship with both of your parents. I know that anytime you have a Leadership Montana event, you take your husband and your mom along with you. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think I'd love to hear a story about your dad and, and what he meant to you. Mm. So I actually told this story. It's really short. I told the story at his, what we referred to as his after party. Um, when Ted and I, so Ted and I met in uh, 97 and we, we got married, um, seven years later and my dad at our wedding stood up to give a toast (laughs) and he, this is what he said. And I, and that was it. That was all he could get out. He it was just too, it was too emotional for him. And he couldn't say the words that he, what, the whatever was, you know, whatever he was thinking, feeling. And um, I kind of felt that way at, at his after party too. Like, dad, I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he and my mom were both, um, they're just really kind people. And the other, my favorite thing about them, I think, is that, you know, I had friends who struggled in their own families because of their sexual orientation or because of, you know, different conditions in their homes that just weren't like, that were sub awesome. And um, my folks always welcomed them. I mean, always had them, you know, and um, yeah. Like, I, s- I see those values in you. No, oh, thanks. Just a willingness to be places with people and hold that whatever it is they need in that moment for a little bit, right? Right? Because I think it's hard enough, right? Like, I mean, things are 
things are rough. So I, I actually just um, worked on my leadership philosophy at the master's class last week. And, and it really, it, it is that it's um, prioritizing self-awareness because you can't, it's all spirit, right? You can't, it's how you show up. And then empathy for others. So by taking those two things, we're creating the conditions for people to bring their best selves to whatever it is. And so that, that is absolutely my, my approach. I'm not interested in the gotcha. I'm not interested in the pull the rug out from under you. I'm not interested in like it, things are tough enough. Let's, let's set each other up for success as best we can. And a lot of that is holding people in a space that's where they're struggling. Does setting people up to be the best they can be is, does that start with your own heart? Totally. Because if I'm having a, like if I'm having a, an off day and I'm like, my, my mojo is messed up, like I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to be able to do it for somebody else. And so I think that a, a big part of our challenge walking on this earth is learning to know ourselves enough, like as much as we can so that we, we know how we're reacting and acting in situations and, um, and then adjusting accordingly. I think we have to know ourselves before we can be there for other people. Put your own mask on first on the airplane before you put them, you know. <laughs> I think what's intimidating to me about that process is like, it's, it never ends. <laughs> it's no. just, <laughs> no. it's the whole ride. The yeah, whole thing. Absolutely. And I think that's like one of my favorite things about my dad is that um, he was always, you know, he, he was 75 when he passed, but he, he, um, he was still like still trying to be a better human. He was still trying to learn about himself and understand situations around him and, and grow around it and, and evolve basically. And mm. that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Something you wrote that just really stirred something in my heart was you were talking about was the last two years of your dad's life that he made ceramics Right. Yeah. He, um, he, he threw pots, like he would, he would make ceramics, like, you know, he did it for a long time, but he, he and my mom moved to Missoula two years before he passed and he, um, became a member at the clay studio of Missoula and that place, it's just a magical place. And he would go there every day. Like he just loved it. he like found his people and yeah, it was, he, it was his jam. And he, he made some really, really lovely stuff. And I really, really am protective <laughs> Of, I don't want it to break. Like pottery breaks, and that's okay. That's a thing that happens. But there's a couple pieces that I'm like, not these ones. Yeah. These <laughs> yeah. ones will ride shotgun if you ever move, right? Kind of oh yeah. yeah. So you wrote that you sometimes will take the mugs that he made and you held them to your heart. Yeah. And you think about your dad, and I'm just wondering what what you're thinking about in that moment. Well, there's just something so wonderful about getting to hold something that somebody that you love made with their own hands and then having it, having it in your hands. And, you know, like I, there's, <laughs> I put my hand on my heart a lot when I'm talking, like, it's just this like thing that I do. And so there's a natural, there's a, it's just a very natural gesture for me. And, um, yeah, and, you know, sometimes you just wish you could hug them and you can't hug them. So <laughs> why not hug them? coffee cup a that they made yeah. that's a mug hug <laughs> <laughs> i love that 
I love that. And your mom loves Leadership Montana because she gets to tag along for all these adventures, mm-hmm. right? So tell me your favorite little Leadership Montana experience with your mom. It has to. Your mom has to be a character in the story. Oh, that's oh yeah. There's lots of them. Um, <laughs> when I was first um, on the board of governors, I'm on the Leadership Montana board of governors because I'm super lucky. And um, our my first meeting was in Sydney, which was awesome because I love Sydney, Montana, and. Um, so, you know, we pile in the car and, and go and, you know, we, I, I was like, let's just make this a thing, right? Like, let's, let's really, let's like, me, let's make this like a leadership Montana. So she came to the breweries. She came like both of them, like they were just, they were, I mean, they didn't come to the board meeting, but that was about the only thing they didn't come to. And, um, and on the way back, we stopped and we stayed in Great Falls for a night and we went to the sip and dip and, you know, like it was just this, um, I don't know. It was just cool. It was like this fun little, cause she'd never been there and we got to see piano Pat. She's just all in. She just loves, um, car trips is what she says. Car trips. And she says, she's like, man, I really wish your dad was here to, to be part of all this. I'm like, yeah, me too. But how lucky am I that you're here mm-hmm. and that, um, we get to, we get to go on adventures around Montana together. And it's a, you're cruising in a minivan, right? Oh, hell yeah. And listening to hard rock. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more rock and roll than jamming out in a minivan. I, there can't be, right? Yeah, it's either that or like some Jack Johnson and some, you know, like yeah, you, yeah. there's some there's some chill. A full range. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we started talking about leadership Montana because you as a member of the board of governors and you know, you're in the master's class currently, you continue to invest a tremendous amount of time. And we've talked about how intentional you are in your time investment. So why is it that you choose to give so much to that organization? Um, I, I, so this, uh, I guess there's no such thing. This might be a bit of an overshare, but my husband and I made the conscious choice not to have children. And we're both really good with that because there's a lot of really great children in our lives. And, um, we really love, we love it. Um, but it just wasn't for us. Right. But the two, the two areas where I do volunteer my time are leadership Montana. And then I'm also on the alumni advisory council for the master's in public administration program at the university of Montana. And the thing in common between both of those investments of my time are that it is, they're setting people up to work in public service, which I deeply believe in, and setting people up to find the, whatever their their um, brand of leadership, brand isn't the right word, but, but their style of leadership that works specifically for them as a human, right? So it's a bit of legacy, right? Like I'm interested in supporting like organizations that are setting people up to bring their best selves to whatever it is they're doing. And it just so happens that I love Leadership Montana because of the diversity of, um, of participants and their, their disciplines, right? Whatever it is that they do for their, for their work. Um, and I love the MPA program because it's setting, setting people up to work in public service or nonprofit, but um, to, to serve, right? To, to serve the people all around us. That's that's why I spend the time I spend. 
It's interesting because as you work to refine something, like you had mentioned, you're working on your leadership philosophy, right? And there's this really interesting process, I think, in Leadership Montana where we're like distill, distill, get clarity. And simultaneously, in, in a very paradoxical way, we're also sort of pushing ourselves towards a deeper and deeper appreciation of just how much uncertainty and just how big the blind spots are in, mm-hmm. our, in our lives, right? So, mm-hmm. We just had a moment at our at our table in Masters this last week where we were we were talking about um, uh, adaptive leadership, right? And mm. we're talking about the the move from technical to to adaptive. And um, my classmate Verena, who's awesome, just like had this moment where she just like put her head on the table <laughs> because like I I think. <laughs> because, yes. Because, yes. To that. Yes. <laughs> and we all kind of had that collective like, oh my god, we have so much work to do. <laughs> Right. But I, I think there's that. I think it's like this. Um, I, I was just speaking to someone uh, last year who was talking about holding a candle in a dark room and you inch forward and you inch forward and you inch forward. And, like you only see what is what the candle mm-hmm. is illuminating. So I, th- I, I think, you know, we're seeking we're constantly seeking ways to clarify and, and see, you know, what's around us and try to look ahead. And in doing that, it just it reveals a to do list. Right. Like. So, yeah, we can get clarity, but it just means that we're just clear about what work we need to do. So last question before the lightning round. What is something that you care about deeply that we haven't talked about yet on this podcast? Uh, my husband. I mean, I've mentioned him, but he is, he's, uh, he's a hell of a human. And if you have the pleasure of knowing Ted Hughes, you understand. Like, he is... He's so smart and he's so um, emotionally intelligent and he is always interested in being a better human and he's funny. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, I just love the hell out of that guy. And I think we've grown closer. I mean, I literally just said to him the other day, I love you more every day. And he said, yeah, I feel the same way. And I was like, well, that's good because if you didn't, we have a problem. <laughs> so he's... He is not sub awesome. He is meta awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is a selfish question. What does it look like when you need to tell Ted that you were wrong? Oh yeah. Um Oh yeah. So he, like we had a, we had a thing that we were working through about a year and a half ago. He was kind of having some struggles in his job. And I, I was, I thought I was leaning into it, but I I wasn't really leaning into it because I was afraid that he was going to quit his job. And like, you know, there's uncertainty around that and it's scary. And he, um, he said to me, he said, and I, I need you to dial up your empathy just a little bit. And it like, floored me I was like holy shit I'm the empathy person like what that's a problem if you're saying that to me that is a problem not with you with me and so um I heard it and I I was like yes let me let me just think on it like let me reflect I can't do it like that but let me reflect and I will 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 reconnect and of course, I went to see my therapist. I was like, okay, so hey, fellow warrior of the heart, I failed terribly because this human that I love is like, you know, so um, it usually requires me to talk through it a little bit on my own, think through it or, or 
talk to a friend or or my my therapist and then go back because Ted's like really he can like stay in a conflict and I need to like gather all the information and then leave the conflict and process it and try to you know figure out and then come back so we have a different styles but you know we've been together 25 years so we have it we're, we're getting better at it Ready for the lightning round? Sure, why not? Number one sci-fi movie, TV, or book recommendation. Well, I mean, I got to go with uh, Galaxy Quest because it is like hilarious and sci-fi. So those are my two favorite things. When you're scared, lonely, or overwhelmed, where do you turn? Mm. To my, my closest people. Therapist husband, not necessarily in this order, lead with Ted, Ted, therapist, um, and friends. Mm. I also have a friend who I haven't talked about here who lives in Oregon, who also happens to be a therapist. So if you can dial that into your life somehow, I highly recommend it. It is, it is so sweet because she's got, she's just great. Your favorite place you visited on a leadership Montana trip. Can't be the sip and dip. No. Well, or can it? Um, yeah, I think going to Sydney was my, like, just, it was so incredible. It was, it was 10 years ago, right? So things were a little different then. And, um, you know, we rented a big van and all piled into the van and, you know, this crazy gaggle of lunatics <laughs> driving across the state. And, um, see, yeah, I mean, the whole Sydney thing from start to finish was, was my favorite, I think. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Uh, my favorite band is Built to Spill. I've seen them dozens of times. They're amazing. Um, indie rock. But the, my favorite concert is a, a concert by a, a group called Boy and Bear. And they are fantastic. And I saw them in this small theater in Portland with um, my friends who live there and a several friends who live there and then Ted and um, it was just one of those concerts where it was just magical right like so kind of intimate but great and their music is just wonderful and I mean I may or may not have cried like half a dozen times favorite food for a Montana road trip what are you loading up the minivan with well if we're leaving in the morning which we probably are if it's you know across the state uh, I like to stop at drum coffee and get some olive oil cake. If you have not had the olive oil cake at Drum Coffee, you should go and get some. It's delicious. <laughs> I gotta say, it doesn't sound delicious. It so sounds good. a little weird. It's kind of weird. It's so good, though. <laughs> I am nothing if not weird. <laughs> olive oil cake. It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds so gross. Oh it's my not. God. It's not. I swear is to God. It, it's not oily, is it? It's like, it's just got a, we should just call it olive cake or something like that. Because that <laughs> sounds better. And that sounds bad. So, <laughs> sounds so gross. Oh my God. I am totally buying you olive oil cake. Cake should be dunk. Cake should go with milk. And if anybody tries to explain to me that olive oil and milk could ever go together, then you are a busful lunatic driving to Sydney, Montana. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. 
Um, something that made you laugh recently, like uncontrollably. <laughs> I feel like that's a low bar for you. I feel like you're so <laughs> eager to laugh. I love that. So we just stayed at this amazing uh, vacation rental in California run by this woman who is just lovely. And if I could just go live there, I would because it was a last minute booking and it has like miniature donkeys and donkeys and horses and dogs and geese. And like, I just, I was in heaven and her dogs, Milo and Oreo were amazing, but she has these two miniature donkeys named Harvey and little man. (laughs) (laughs) She, she would let him like, like she would let little man roam around the ranch because she had, you know, it's all gated. It's a really small ranch, but it's a ranch. And she would sometimes not know where he was. And so, so we would hear her just going, little man, little man. <laughs> and my husband impersonating her saying little man is one of the funniest <laughs> things I have ever heard. <laughs> because when I say it, it's fine. But like he says it in this like amazing falsetto and he and he'll just like blurt it out with no warning. And he's been doing that for like the last week and I I cannot get enough of it. <laughs> What's a bold prediction for the future? Well, I don't know how bold this is, but I predict that Leadership Montana will make a difference. I predict that we will continue to, to bring people into the fold and help people learn about themselves and learn how to support others and it's going to make a difference and it already does, but it's going to, it's just going to get better. Yeah. I agree with you. Do you have a favorite quote? I would say the man in the arena Mm. is mine. I can't say it out loud. I mean, I can't recite it, but um, working in public service, especially I feel, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our people are in the arena and um, that one really, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like, you know what you're signing up for, but yeah. Last question. What is your definition of leadership? Well, my, my classmate, I was telling my classmate Keith, um, about my, you know, you prioritize your self-awareness and your empathy and, you know, and I had this whole like thing and he just like totally drilled it down. He was like, so leading by caring. I was like, yes, Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you, you are my favorite editor. It was brilliant. He just really cut to the chase. I, and I think that's it. That's great. Yeah. And Hughes, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks to Ann Hughes for taking the time to come on the show. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please share an episode on social media or tell a friend about the show. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. Montana.